Now, today we are picking back up with a series we started two weeks ago called Spiritual Warfare. And the reason I'm saying we're picking back up, because last week we took a pause in this series, and I had the privilege of interviewing a new friend of ours from Ukraine. Her name is Tanya. And we got to hear some amazing things that God is doing in the country of Ukraine and how we can play a part in that. If you go to our information meeting today, you'll find out that we're going to a trip to Ukraine this summer, as well as our trips to Guatemala, as Tammy's already said. So I hope that you'll be a part of that information meeting so you can find out a little bit more about that. But today we're picking back up in a very uh, serious, heavy content series. And I want to remind you of some of the things that we've learned so far. But before I do that, let's just pause for a quick moment of prayer. So God, we're grateful to be here in this facility, Lord, learning about you. And Lord, I know as we talk about spiritual warfare, uh, there's a real enemy that's out there, a real enemy that wants to defeat us. And Lord, we need to learn how to fight effectively. And so I pray that through this series, we'll be learning how to do that. And even today, that we'll get some real handles on how to fight him. And so Lord, we give you this message. I pray that you would speak powerfully to all of us with the information you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's some of the stuff that we've learned already in this series. We've learned, number one, that just as real as the physical world that we live in, there is a spiritual world out there, again, that's just as real. So uh, all the stuff that we touch and feel on a regular basis, and we know, hey, this is real because I can get my hands on it. There's a spiritual world out there, and it's just as real as anything that we can touch and feel. And that spiritual world, we've learned, is in a spiritual battle. So there's a spiritual battle raging around us all the time, whether we see it or acknowledge it or believe in it or not. And all of us have a common enemy. Our common enemy is a real being called Satan. But we learned in this series that Satan didn't start out as Satan. He started out as Lucifer, which means angel of light. And he did not like his position that God put him in. So he rebelled against God. He got a demotion and a name change. And his name was changed to Satan, which means adversary, and he fights against us, and he's a powerful enemy. Now, I don't know what you believe about Satan. Some people say, like, I don't believe all that. That's just Halloween stuff. And if you're in that spot, you're not alone because there's a whole bunch of people that don't believe in Satan. But I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I believe in Satan is because Jesus believed in Satan. And Jesus interacted with him. Jesus actually engaged a spiritual battle with him. And we're going to see the reality of that this morning. But what we also learn in this series is that Jesus is greater than Satan. Isn't that exciting? Jesus is greater than sin, greater than disease, greater than temptation. Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than anything that could ever stand against us. And Jesus is always with us. He doesn't leave us alone to fight against the enemy. He's actually with us and helps us battle. And he's actually given us weapons to use to fight against the enemy. And we're going to talk about those next week. But today we're going to look at what I think is the clearest example of somebody engaging spiritual warfare with the enemy and winning. And we're going to learn from Jesus himself this morning. And like I said two weeks ago, and I'll say again next week, we're covering a lot of information today. 
So if you are a note taker, I encourage you to take notes uh, on your phone or uh, in pen, however. If you are not a note taker, today would be a good day to steal the notes of somebody next to you who is a note taker. Um, because again, we're going to cover a lot of information. And you may come back later this week and go like, what? What did he talk about? Like, how can I apply that to my life? If you're taking notes, uh, you'll have uh, more ready access to that. Or you can come back and listen to this message again. So we're going to cover a lot of information. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. But before we get into chapter 4, let me tell you what happened in chapter 3. So at the end of chapter 3, Jesus was baptized. He went to the Jordan River where he found his cousin John, who was there baptizing people. Jesus walked up to John, had his disciples with him, and said, John, I need you to baptize me. And John said, you've got to be kidding me. I am not worthy to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, John, I need you to baptize me. So John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus came up out of the water, uh, that passage tells us in Matthew chapter 3 that the Holy Spirit landed on Jesus in the form of a dove. And then a voice from heaven, God spoke, God the Father spoke, and said this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, can you imagine being there in that moment? Like how how dumbfounding that would have been. I've been to a whole lot of baptisms in my life and I have never heard God the Father speak from heaven when I pulled anybody out of the water. I have never seen that. But in this moment, God the Father says, this is my dearly loved son. He brings me great joy. I think that was a super powerful moment, not only for everybody, but I think it was a powerful moment for Jesus. But then, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, before we get into the obvious question of why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me make a connection between Jesus' baptism and Jesus' temptation. So right after this amazing spiritual moment that Jesus had, Jesus faced one of his greatest spiritual battles. And that's a reality, not only for Jesus, but for all of us. And Uh, I've tried to figure this out for a little while, but what I've found for many of us is when we have a great spiritual encounter, often that is quickly followed by a great spiritual battle. Anybody else ever experienced that in your life? You've seen that? I've seen that after mission trips that I've been on and come home. I've seen it for other people when they've come home from mission trips. I've seen it where I've come home from a men's conference where I've had this great encounter with God. I've learned some great things about being a great father and a great husband. And I come home and I get in a fight with my wife. And I'm like, what happened? Like, I just learned this great information. And my wife goes, yeah, what happened? Like, you were supposed to apply that information. Now, often after this great spiritual experience, we face our greatest spiritual attack. Here's a couple of things that I think are going on with that. The first is, two weeks ago, we learned Satan's strategy with us or his plans with us. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. So Satan wants to steal that experience away from you. If he can steal that experience away, here's what happens. We go, man, I had this amazing experience, and now I'm fighting harder than I've ever fought before. Like, I just might give up, stop following God. I guess that's just not going to work for me. 
And we're tempted to walk away from God. And so that's what Satan wants to happen. But the second reason why I think that happens is because God wants us to grow stronger. He wants to put to the test our faith that we are growing. So in those moments when we have this great spiritual experience and we're learning some powerful things, God goes, okay, it's time to put it into practice and it's time to come out on the other side stronger. So when we engage spiritual battle and we fight effectively, we actually can come out stronger on the other side. And as we continue to do that, God says, yes, that's what I want for you to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So spiritual attacks can actually help us get stronger. So the next time you have this amazing spiritual encounter or experience with God, don't be surprised when right around the corner is your greatest spiritual attack. Just learn to fight effectively and get stronger because of that. Now, back to the question of why the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. We need to understand this is a a very unique thing going on here. God does not do this with anybody else. God does not tempt us. Listen to what James chapter 1 verse 12 says. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. And verse 14 tells us where temptation comes from in addition to Satan. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Some translations say from our own evil desires. Verse 15 says, and these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So God does not tempt us. God never tempts us. Satan tempts us. And we do a pretty good job of tempting ourselves, don't we? There's one person with us here this morning, one person acknowledging that like, we do it ourselves. There are things that we get distracted by. We all have inside of us these ingrained desires that don't fall in line with God's desires for us. So we all can be tempted by Satan and by our own selfish desires. So again, God was doing something unique here with Jesus. Holy Spirit was leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan so Jesus could teach us how to defeat Satan in battle. That's why the Holy Spirit led Jesus there, so we could learn from him. So we're gonna learn from him this morning. But watch what Jesus did. Before this temptation began, this great battle with Satan, Matthew chapter four, verse two says, for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted for 40 days And 40 nights, Jesus went without food. And he prayed. Fasting and prayer go hand in hand. So Jesus connected deeply with his heavenly father in that 40-day time frame. He connected deeply with him. And he knew that if he's going to be able to stand against the enemy, he needed to be so close to his heavenly father. And that's what many of us need to be reminded of. And maybe you're facing a spiritual attack. Maybe you're facing something that's just so big and you feel like it's just, the enemy's just eating you alive. And maybe this morning, through this passage, we're being reminded to fast and pray. So 
So maybe for some of us, what we need to do is spend some time fasting, spend some time praying. And if you could ever you know, think like, how could giving up food for a period of time help me spiritually? Again, fasting is about giving up something physical to get something spiritual. It's about saying, God, like you are more important than the stuff that sustains me physically. Like you sustain me spiritually. You're way more important than anything else. That's what fasting is all about. And if you're interested in learning a little bit more about that, we actually have a fast coming up in January. We actually start every year in the life of our church with a fast. And we're going to do that again this year. If you're new to that, just come and, and we'll be talking about that and how you can engage this. And if you're in a season right now where you think, you know, maybe I should try to learn a little bit more about that because of what you're going through, then I've got on our Spiritual Growth Challenge, it's just a one-page document that we make available at our Connection Center. I've got a great resource there that'll help you learn a little bit more about fasting. So Jesus spent time connecting deeply with his Heavenly Father. And after that, that verse tells us that he became very hungry. Anybody think you would get hungry after 40 days of not eating? Like, I'm, you know, sometimes it's like 40 minutes after lunch, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so hungry. I been a, it's been a while. Like, I need to go to the cupboard and find something. So Jesus became hungry, and I love the reality of that because it shows us, the scripture teaches us that Jesus is not only 100% God, he's 100% man. And if you're trying to do math, don't try to add that up because that doesn't equal 100. We can't figure that out. God, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And the reality of that for us is he knows what it's like to be human. He knows exactly what it's like to feel what we feel and to go through what we go through. He knows what it's like to feel hunger pains. He knows what it's like to feel temptation. He understands everything that we could ever face. Listen to Hebrews chapter four. Verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be human. He knows exactly what it's like to experience everything that we experience in our lives. And this is super important for us to remember because sometimes we kind of have a disconnect between us and God and we think, you know, Jesus, you know, he was God. And so how can he understand what my life is like? How can he understand what my temptations are like? He doesn't know what it's like to battle whatever, battle my addiction, battle pornography, battle food issues. He doesn't know what it's like to battle anxiety or doubt or depression. Jesus was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. He knows exactly what it's like to be in your spot. He knows exactly what it's like to be human. And he's gonna show us how to defeat anything that would try to pull us away from God and how to defeat Satan. So in verse three, here comes Satan. It says, during that time, the devil or the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I find it interesting here that Satan attacks Jesus in two spots. So the first spot he attacks Jesus is in an area of weakness. We already learned that Jesus was hungry. So he came after a physical desire. He said, all right, so you're hungry? Hey, why don't you just turn these rocks into bread and then you can eat. 
And he was tempting Jesus to prove himself. He was also tempting him with a pride issue. But, but here's the thing that we need to understand. We need to understand that Satan will tempt us in our area of weakness. So whatever area of weakness you have, that's where Satan's coming. If somebody else has a different area of weakness, he's coming after them in that area of weakness. So if, if your weak spot is um, anxiety, he's going to come after you there. If your weak spot is depression, he's going to come after you there. If your weak spot is lust, he's going to come after you there. Whatever your weakness is, that's where Satan is going to try to attack you. And then he came after Jesus with a pride issue. So he said, if you are God, then turn these stones into bread. Now, Satan knew who he was. Satan knew that Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew exactly, but he was trying to trick Jesus into proving himself, which in that moment would have been Jesus being tricked into sin. And that's what Satan wanted. Like, hey, just prove it. I bet you can't. You know, he did that kind of like, you know, you know um, recess, you know, I don't know. Do we have recess anymore in school these days? Like maybe, I don't know. Um, you know, that kind of playground kind of experience. Like, I bet you can't. I bet you can't climb that ladder. I bet you can't swing, swing that swing. I bet you can't jump that far. And so he's tempting Jesus with that. And Jesus knew what was happening and he battled effectively. And I'm so glad Jesus did because I wouldn't have. You know, if I were Jesus in that moment, I would have been like, oh, yeah? I would have hiked up my big boy pants and stuck out my big chest. Oh, yeah, let me prove it to you. Pow! Bread! Woo! Oops. I just got tricked into sin. Aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? I am. So verse 4, Jesus told him, no, this is really cool. Watch what Jesus reaches for to battle the enemy. He says, the scriptures say, it says, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is so amazing to me, but it shouldn't be. If there's anybody who doesn't need to reach for scripture to fight Satan, it's Jesus. He can just tell Satan, leave me alone, you're wrong, get out of here. But Jesus reached for scripture that was written down over a thousand years prior to him making that statement, and he modeled for us how to fight effectively against the enemy. So I think since Jesus used biblical truth to fight against the enemy, so should we. We should learn how to use the Bible to fight effectively against the enemy. Now watch what Satan does. So Satan attacks, Jesus counterattacks, Satan comes back at him again. In verse 5, it says this, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. Let me pause here for just a minute and show you something that I think is really fascinating. Take a look at this next picture. So this is a picture of a stone that was discovered around the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. And they've been doing excavating around there all the time. Can you imagine how much uh, history there is uh, in Israel and in, around Jerusalem? So as they're excavating around the Temple Mount, they discovered this stone. They believe this is the stone that fell from the highest point around the temple. So the wall around the temple would be, have been about two-thirds higher than it is right now. They believe this is one of those cornerstones, not a cornerstone of a foundation, but a cornerstone on the top of the wall that fell and was there on the street level that Jesus would have walked on. So that right there is a street level that Jesus would have walked on in, in his day around the temple. That potentially could be 
the spot that Satan took Jesus to be tempted. Now, I'm like a history, you know, kind of a geek, and I'm like, wow, that is cool. And I've had the privilege of being there. So I've gotten to, to go to Israel a couple of times and see that, and we're actually taking another trip uh, in January 2020. So if you want to go and see that kind of stuff up close and personal, um, you can join us for that and, and watch the Bible come alive to you. So Satan took Jesus to the highest point of the temple. Could have been that spot, not sure. But he said this to him in verse six. He says, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Notice what Satan did? He countered with scripture. So when Jesus fought Satan with scripture, Satan came back at Jesus with scripture. That's why it's so incredibly important for us to understand and how to apply scripture to our lives, how to accurately interpret that because Satan knows how to twist scripture and use it to pull people away from God. And he does it all the time. So with an accurate understanding of scripture, Jesus says in verse seven, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So Jesus refused to let Satan tempt him with scripture or misuse of scripture. So Satan tried another strategy. Verse eight says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Now, I don't know why that just seems so goofy to me. Okay, so you got Jesus. He, he created everything. Um, and Satan's going, hey, I'll give you these small trinkets if you'll just bow down and, and worship me. And Jesus obviously knew the trick, and he was not going to give in to that at all. But Satan tempted Jesus with everything that we're tempted by, shiny things. You know, I like shiny things. Anybody else like shiny things? You know, like new cars and, you know, nice homes and big bank accounts and vacations around the world and power over people. And that's what Satan was tempting Jesus with. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. Like, I already own it all anyway, Satan. Not giving into that. So verse 10, he says, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So every time Satan attacked Jesus, Jesus counterattacked with scripture over and over and over again. Jesus used scripture against the enemy again because Jesus used scripture to fight Satan. I think we should learn how to use scripture to fight Satan. The Bible is actually our most effective weapon against the attacks of the enemy. So the big question of the day, though, is do we know enough about the Bible to effectively fight against the enemy? Like, do we know enough about the Bible? And, you know, if I were honest about my life, there have been moments in my life I'd say, no, I don't know enough about the Bible. Or, hey, I've learned a lot about the Bible, but I don't know how to effectively use the Bible to fight against the enemy. So I want to walk you through some stuff that I've learned in my relationship with God and how to effectively use scripture to fight against the enemy. I'm gonna walk through a personal example uh, for me, some verses that I use. But before I, I do that, let me just acknowledge something. I battle attacks and temptation of the enemy just like anybody else does. 
And I tell you that because sometimes people think that pastors or priests or religious leaders, oh, they don't have the same battles that everybody else does. They don't have the same temptations. They don't have the same attacks. And I got to tell you, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Don't, don't ever believe somebody say that some religious leader doesn't understand what it's like to, to face a battle. Don't ever let a religious leader tell you that. We all fight the same battles. We all have the same kind of, of temptations. And in preparation for this series, I found that I have been battling the enemy more than I have in a long time. And I had this moment where I'm like, maybe we shouldn't do this series. Like, wow, this has been intense. And that's what Satan would love. Satan would love for us to not talk about this so that he can subtly attack us and us not know what to do about it. So we got to learn how to do this. So we got to talk about it and expect, yeah, hey, if we're talking about him, yeah, hey, we might see him wanting to fight against us, but let's just learn how to fight effectively. So when I am in a spot of battle, one of the first things that I try to do is to remind myself that I have no obligation to do what I am being tempted to do. I have no obligation. Listen to what Romans 8, 12 says. It says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So I don't have any obligation to do what my sin nature or Satan is wanting me to do. And sometimes just verbalizing that truth can free me from the battle in that moment. And it's like, you know, light bulb moment. Ding. Oh, I don't have to do this. There are moments we think, you know, I, I have to, like the battle's so hard, it's so intense, like, oh, I've been fighting for an hour or a minute, and like, wow, like I may just have to give in to this, and the reality is, no, we don't. You have no obligation to do what your sin nature urges you to do. And here's a powerful truth. Temptation is just as much an opportunity to do what is right as it is to do what is wrong. It's just as much an opportunity to do the right thing as it is to do the wrong thing. So when you stand at a moment of temptation, you can just say, I'm not gonna do the wrong thing. I'm gonna do the right thing. I have no obligation. I don't have to do this. And that can free us in that moment. Another verse that I reach for to help me fight against the enemy is James 4, 7. And that says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what's gonna happen if we submit to God? And resist the devil? What's that verse say? He's going to flee. That's a promise from Scripture. So when we pull out Scripture, as Jesus did, and we fight against him, we submit to God and what God wants us to do in that moment. We stand against Satan, what he's trying to tempt us away from, away from God with. When we do that, we get a promise. And that promise is Satan will eventually flee. So we've got to learn to use scripture. And there are moments that I have to say those two verses over like a hundred times, like just over and over and over again so that I can let the enemy know like, hey, I, I really mean business. Hey, I really mean business. And there are moments, especially as we're beginning to learn this process where we got to learn to do that again and again and again. Because you know, sometimes we'll do it like 10 times. We're like, hey, I did it 10 times, didn't work. Like we got to keep going the enemy's got to learn that we mean business every time he attacks it. We're going to keep reaching for scripture and we're going to submit to God and what God wants us to do and we're going to fight against the enemy. And there are moments that I say that out loud in a moment of temptation. I say, okay, God, I'm submitting to you and what you want me to do. Satan, I stand against you. And in Jesus' name, I demand that you leave me alone. I'm claiming scripture, James 4, 7. 
And I tried not to say that out loud in front of a group of people, you know, like if I'm in a room full of people, like that could be weird, but maybe that would be effective as well, you know, in those moments of temptation, just say it out loud. We gotta learn how to use scripture effectively. Matthew chapter four, verse 11 says, then the devil went away and his angels came and took care of Jesus. So as Jesus submitted to God the Father, as Jesus stood against Satan, Satan left him and went away. And he'll do the same thing with us. He will leave us alone if we prove to him that we know how to effectively use scripture against him. Now listen to this next thing. This is um, it's amazing, something that's often overlooked in many Christian circles. This is something that Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. So speaking to his disciples, he said this. He said, look, I have given you, what's that next word? Authority. Authority. All right, let's say it with authority. What's that word? Authority. I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy. So if you're a Christ follower, you've been given authority over Satan's power. Now, that does not mean you're more powerful than Satan, so don't get cocky. It just means that God has given us authority over the attacks of the enemy, that we can actually defeat him in battle when we fight effectively and use scripture to do that. So our authority comes from Jesus, and it comes from God's written word. So you have been given authority if you're a Christ follower, and we should stand in that authority. But again, the big question is, if you're a Christ follower, do you know how to use the authority that you've been given to fight against the enemy? Do you know how to use the truth of the Bible to fight against Satan when he attacks you? If you would say yes, I would say great, are you doing that? You know, there have been moments in my life I've known the right thing to do and I haven't done it. So are you doing the right thing? Are you using the authority that you've been given? And if you would say like, no, like I don't know how to do that. Like I don't even know uh, two verses in the Bible. Well, you can learn. And this morning, we're going to practice a little bit about this. And the cool thing is, is you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to study the Bible for years and years. You can actually, this morning, learn a couple of verses that can help you stand against the enemy. We're going to actually use Romans 8, 12 and James 4, 7. I want us to practice this for just a moment. So I I want to take you to a spot where it's not going to be a super fun spot to, to go to, but maybe you're already in that spot. Some of us might be in an area of temptation right now. But I want to take you mentally to that spot where you are being attacked by the enemy. Some sort of a temptation, some sort, it could be an anxiety issue, could be a depression issue, could be a doubt issue, could be a lust issue, could be an addiction issue, could be a whatever issue. So take just a second Put yourself mentally into that spot, that moment, that whatever you are tempted by, Satan comes and tempts you. Everybody got it? All right. So there you are. You're in the moment, and Satan comes along like he came to Jesus, and he tempts you. So we can use scripture to fight against him. So I'm going to ask for this first verse to come up. So Romans 8, 12, and I want us to say this out loud together, okay? So on the count of three, it's going to you know, maybe feel a little bit weird, but I think this can help us to gain confidence in how to use scripture verbally. So we can use scripture silently, we can use scripture verbally, and I think sometimes verbally it gives us the confidence as we fight against the enemy. Okay, so everybody ready? Okay, here we go. We're in that moment. The temptation is upon us, and we can say, uh, based upon Romans 8, 12, 1, 
two, three, all together. Here we go. I have no obligation to do what my sinful nature or Satan is tempting me to do. Good job. So you pull out scripture. You say, I don't have any obligation to do what you're asking me to do right now. None whatsoever. And maybe that frees you in that moment. Now, James 4, 7. Okay, here's the next part of this. James 4, 7. So again, you're in that spot. The temptation is there. The enemy says, oh, you use scripture? Great. Well, let me bat that away. I'm going to use scripture again. I'm going to come back at you and tempt you again. James 4, 7 says, God, I submit to you. This is actually a, a personalized statement that I've made from this verse. God, I submit to you and will do what you want me to do. Satan, I resist your attacks and demand that you leave me alone in Jesus' name. So I want us to say that out loud together, okay? So here we go. You're in that moment of temptation. And we say together, one, two, three. God, I submit to you and will do what you want me to do. Satan, I resist your attacks and demand that you leave me alone in Jesus' name. Again, it's because of Jesus' power that we can say this. It's because of our understanding of Scripture that we can say that. And again, we may have to say that over 50 times or 100 times. But eventually, we receive a promise. Satan will leave us alone, just like he left Jesus alone. Now, the reality is, for some of you, you're in that spot. Like, you're in that that temptation. Maybe you're facing it right now, and you haven't known how to fight. Again, you've got two verses. There's two verses that you can use, and I encourage you to read uh, Romans chapter 8, not just verse 12. Read the context of Romans 8. Man, there's so much truth in that chapter. Read the book of James. It's only five small chapters that you can read in a relatively short amount of time. So, so don't just read James 4, 7, but read all of James. And you slowly begin to grow your knowledge of Scripture and how to effectively use Scripture against the enemy. And if you're in that spot right now, remember, since Jesus used Scripture to fight against Satan, we should use Scripture to fight against Satan. If you're wondering, like, um, hey, is there any more resources out there? I've put a couple of more resources on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. They can help all of us learn a little bit more about uh, spiritual warfare and how to fight effectively. So I hope you'll pick that up. If we run out, you can always go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and you can uh, get a copy of that from there as well. Now, we're going to close out in a song, and our worship team is going to remind us this morning that... Any authority that we've been given, any power that we've been given in our lives to battle the enemy comes from Jesus, comes from what Jesus has done. And he wants to remind us today that that he is the source of power, that he understands what we're going through, and he knows how to help you navigate whatever it is you're navigating in your life. So if you would, stand with me. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing and refocus on who our power comes from. So let's pray together. So Lord, what we're talking about in this series is some heavy stuff. It's stuff that the enemy doesn't want us talking about. And when we talk about it, he wants to fight against us. And so Lord, I just pray that we would understand some of the truths that we've learned in this series, that we have a real enemy and Satan really is real. He really is powerful, but he's not more powerful than Jesus. Jesus is greater And Jesus is with us, and Jesus actually gives us weapons to fight, and he's given us a weapon today to use scripture. 
And Jesus, thank you for modeling for us what it means to use scripture. And because you use scripture, we can learn to use scripture. So Lord, I pray that we would begin that journey. And if there's some folks here today who'd say, listen, I don't know anything about the Bible. Lord, I pray that they would start with these two verses, learn how to use those verses effectively, and then they would begin to dive more into scripture and understand how powerful of a resource it is for all of us. And Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that any authority we've been given, any power that we've been given comes from you and you alone. So as we sing, we're going to focus back on how powerful you are, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.